0: Welcome to episode number four now of um, season two of A Leap in the Dark with John De La Cruz. Today I'm going to be talking to uh, Suganda Gaur, who is coming to us all the way from Canada. I see Canada right now. I thought we were cold in California, but hey, no, the Canadians can beat us every time on this one. Suganda is done like a, a whole bunch of different things. Currently, she's at OCAD University in Ontario But she's the acting chair of the advertising department in the Faculty of Design. And she's also taught at uh, Miami Ad School, and she's been a mentor there and calls herself an advertising actionist, which is something that I find also really cool and interesting. And, um, you know, we've had many conversations about ethical practice and about activating advertising ideas and responsibility as well within, within our space. And this is where, I like, said, so we're coming to today, looking at generative AI and um, the doors which are being opened, but also kind of focusing on, I guess, the future maybe. But looking at innovation and looking at what this can do for us. So um, I'm trying to take this conversation forwards into into different areas. And so, with the help of Suganda, I'm hoping that we can we can really kind of sort of come up with some interesting ideas today for you. Suganda, did I do you justice there?
1: Absolutely, John. Thank you for inviting me here. And uh, you have mentioned almost everything and the temperature here right now is minus two. So yes, you were correct on that as well. I'm really looking forward for our conversation today and see how my practices and uh, role as an educator could help us expand on our use of AI. I
0: know. It's something that, as I've said in the other episodes as well, you know, is here. We're using it, you know, to a greater or lesser extent, and we've got to kind of uh, work with it, right? So outside of just kind of experimenting with Firefly and Diffusion and ChatGPT and so on, I want to really look at how, what the possibilities are, I guess, you know, in terms of creativity and innovation. I was reading this thing in the Harvard Business Review, the story, but it was kind of interesting, and it was like, it was kind of like sort of thinking about whether or bringing out the idea of whether lots like sort of uh we'll be replacing designers, I guess. Right? It's always this conversation that happens when something new comes along. One of the points that they're hitting in that story, which I found interesting, was this notion of democratizing innovation, right? So we've been here before. Again, this is nothing new. You know, it seems that we're living in such circular times. The whole idea of democratizing design goes back to the early days of modernism, right? You know, um, we know our design history. We know that that was uh, what designers and architects and artists were trying to, to do was to make design available for everybody. But here maybe we're going a step further and suggesting that generative AI will make innovation possible for everybody and not just within the typical innovation space. I've got some ideas about where I stand on that. I don't know. I mean, what do you think? You think that anybody can innovate now?
1: Um, that's a great question. To me, first the question comes to my mind about the enabling everyone before allowing everyone or letting everyone in with AI. So coming from India and almost lived all my life there, I would like to see it from that lens as well. That how, if it is accessible to everyone, that has its pluses, but what could be the negatives? And how are we enabling everyone in that regard? Like, is everyone having access to such technology? And if not, then what part of it are they having access to through which they could learn so that's just my uh, first thought to this and so would love to know what you think about it like globally if we see it because that is how i'm taking it is
0: yeah i think it's um it can certainly open doors and sure it can make you know most people explore their own creativity but maybe maybe here's a thought if you are not already involved within creative practice right Mm -hmm. and a tool comes along and says to you and you hear about this and you think well hey i can make lots of great things right i'm going to like so put in a text prompt and it's going to come up with some amazing designs for my textile practice right or for my wallpaper design company Mm -hmm. that means that i can I don't need to employ all of these these other people, right? This is where I'm I'm kind of less of coming at it from. Right. And that's da- I feel that's dangerous, right? Because as yeah. we as we know, these tools are simply scraping what's already there, right? I'm not really thinking about intellectual property at this point. but I'm just thinking that when we're claiming that it's going to be innovative, is it really going to be innovative or is it just curating automatically for somebody who doesn't have that eye for design. So that kind of lesson worries me a little bit that suddenly everybody can be a designer, that kind of approach, you know, will become like prevalent again.
1: Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned it, because to me, it feels like even in a classroom, we have so much of like a variety of everyone's own learning curve. So the same tool could be used by different people in a different way. And if we kind of broaden it up to bigger diaspora, there are are fragments of it, which could give us some perspective on how democratizing innovation like what would be the outcome of that and what is that we are really trying to achieve? So I think it should be the other way. What is that we are trying to get by providing access to such platforms. So that should be in mind and I think then I tie it with the regulations because is everyone using it with the similar lens or could there be also folks who could take it from a different side and which right now we couldn't foresee? And while we are talking about democratizing this, there are so many other aspects of in the capitalism, in the capitalist structure to then think of before it's like I could give you pizza, but how would I reach to the pizza place? (laughs) There are so many layers to it by the time you reach there to then find a space to innovate. So these are just like kind of ideas which I could right now, like they're the first thoughts which are coming to my mind right now.
0: Yeah, and I think it's nice that you touched upon the educational space, right? Because we do have students of different lots of skills and levels. And I know that in my fundamentals class, which is where I've really been exploring uh, the use of generative AI, we have non-creative students who are students from lots of the non-creative side of, of our business, uh, our discipline, and even students from, you know, from the business school and from sciences and what have you who do actually take that class. And so they're not typically of the same mindset, the creative mindset. However, what I found is that when I brought those tools in, it actually lots of almost lots of levels of playing field. So yeah, it does give sort of a helping hand mm-hmm. to maybe lots of non-traditionally creative people to to kind of explore different
1: ideas. Yeah, uh, I could say that. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I agree with that in the in the way we're non-creative folks coming in and trying and kind of like uh, if they are reluctant to use their own innovation then this is definitely providing them that support which Mm -hmm. could expand on their imagination then it's kind of like uh, enabling them to start thinking but then what's the limit to that so that it only helps to it's kind of like helps to initiate but not really becoming something which you are too dependent on. So that's something to navigate at the same time as well.
0: The sparking creativity, in other words. Yes. Yeah. So it's nice to to kind of spark that flame, right? And maybe to promote divergent thinking. So helping somebody who is stifled in terms of creativity to Mm -hmm. literally to think out of the box, right? And so... In terms of like, of uh, giving somebody that toolkit, you know, in order to promote maybe less of a uh, more lateral thinking or more divergent thinking,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm just wondering, I, and again, I was reading reading about this. I'm, I'm keen to try this out. Using different tools in tandem with each other. So I was reading that it's less of a, where people have tried out creating new text prompts by using ChatGPT. To generate text, right. and then those new text prompts that, of course, have gone like of in, in all manner of like of lateral kind of lots of um, angles. Then taking those into the image generator tool, mm-hmm. and kind of sort of, um, it's almost like a uh, it's almost like a cooking process, isn't it? You know, you're taking different ingredients and you you're doing something with them. You're reducing them, then you're bringing them back in and throwing them into the pot again and seeing what what else comes out. I find that that's kind of a fascinating notion. I mean, have you combined any tools or tried any of these different techniques out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that, again, my research ties me with something more on the ethical side of things. And even if it is like mixing, what exactly would it create? For example, I was noticing that the prompts could enable us to not have singular perspectives. We could have multiple perspectives. And if there is a creative block, it is helping us to kind of like broaden up our thinking and think more than one perspective or the possibility of the similar idea. Have I combined both? Like Dali is something which is kind of like from the text, how we are getting images and how it is combining both is something which I have, Tried just for fun, but I have not really put in my practice. And it's, I think it's also too soon to start having opinions about or understanding of, oh, this is maybe shunning down my creativity. It's just like, okay, let's experiment and see how that actually goes forward. So to answer that, I feel like it's a great tool even for my classroom, for our classroom, for creative classrooms. But challenge would be, I don't know if you remember the times when we would think of ideas and there are multiple ideas we are thinking of and how we are kind of pushing for the time when we know that the innovation is a process which slowly helping us reach to the goal. And we know when the idea arrives. However, if we are using these frameworks like lateral thinking or if we are using divergent thinking, uh, the only... I wouldn't even say reluctance. The only thing I would like to know right now is that how it is not skipping the process, but enabling the process to be brighter so that we still have and we still use these prompts while we are already also working on this so that to fasten the process, we don't miss certain steps is the only thing which I'm like for creating the mood board or creating something where I want to see how it would look like with the text prompts I'm giving it. But do I have something in mind already to reach that phase is something which I think is the process which could be done in your studio or practice to avoid something which is very much like dependent on like how we go on Photoshop. And we have certain thoughts already to then start using tools. If, That's just my thinking, but I'm open to know what you think about it.
0: Yeah, no, those are really good points, actually. Because, you know, when we're not using these tools and we're ideating in that, you know, in in the way we've always done, the whole idea of percolation, right, percolating that idea and um, going off for a walk or going and exercising and kind of allowing things to to kind of come come in mind. Yeah. Uh, and, And then, you know, you have that eureka moment. I get what you're saying, because these tools take all of that away from us, actually.
1: Yes. Is it efficiency?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, is it efficiency or is it just, or is it destructive of the creative process, maybe?
1: That is why I was kind of like, I don't want to comment too soon on if it is disrupting. It's just like how we could be more informed about the use of it. Have Mm. we already taken the walk? And now we are coming back to compare notes, what it gives me to see, oh, I did not add that. Let me add that. It's more like it could enable us to have broaden our what we are already doing. And on the learning curve, everyone is different. So how we include everyone in that so that it enhances everyone's experience and not just mm-hmm. limiting to certain folks or for certain reasons. For example, I want to do it fast. So that, if that's the reason, that's anyway already denting the creative process because then the intent is something which is driven by something which it should not be.
0: Totally agree with you. I mean, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought those points up, you know, because it's kind of a lot of the conversations are about replacement and there's about human replacement. It's like we don't need people to do this anymore. We can just, you know, type in some keywords and the designer's work is done. Yeah. But Ultimately, what you're saying there is how really they are just simply tools of assistance, right? So human creativity still needs to organically arrive at those decisions. And and these tools are just simply there to kind of maybe help you think of something you hadn't thought of before.
1: You just said it organically. I feel like AI is still artificial. So when you are organically nurturing an idea, we were never running out of ideas all these years in the history of advertising for the reason that it was happening organically. We were only nurturing them and moving forward. So now how we use these tools is a very important part as creative industry for us to reflect on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, the. Great things to play with, but ultimately, you know, we do have to, to kind of consider the the role that we still play in managing the entire process. And I've loved, you know, seeing students like coming up with unbelievable uh, visuals. You know that they would never have been able to to come up with using the same prompt, the same brief, being given lots of uh, for none AI tasks Mm -hmm. you know but ultimately what i find is that we're a step away from refinement you know actually refining that final product there's still work to be done there right? right i don't know i mean things are getting better i've not used Ali, but i do hear good things about it do you think that that is a tool where maybe in your experience you've seen like results which hey, you could put in front of people now or do you think that there's still more to be done away from the AI tool?
1: Yeah, so there are three things which I would like to bring there. One is that we need in the education as well for overall, not just in the education sector, but just the education of AI. I feel like there should be prom generation education so that we know what we are. We are kind of like learning what to write, for the prom generation, we are educated about it, what to seek from it. The second part of it is not just encouraging folks to not just use it, but to build with it. That's another point which I think is very important because right now everyone is just talking about using it. But what if is everyone is contributing? You talked about, you mentioned democratizing. Then it's also like everyone is participating in it by not just using it, but building with it and building with the community who has already created this platform for everyone. So I feel like that's another important point. And the last one is the regulations. Before we kind of like, I feel like there is, and I'm being optimist here, I feel like this is something which is starting right now. We are just scratching the surface, but if we are going deeper, we have a great opportunity here to start building something with the ethical lens from the start of it so that as we are moving forward, and I think I would like to mention about the intellectual property here as well, because if we are talking about platforms like DALI, they are saying they source images. How would that work? Are we also educating people to cite such images or the use of such images? Is there benefit for the folks who have not, they are licensed images. Are we using them as well? Like how are we creating this literacy around everything that gives you that outcome? So it's kind of like how we dismantle, how we kind of like create everything, inform everyone when it comes out so that it's I'm learning about the process as well while I am asking and using it. And then I build with that process further for future purposes, if that makes sense.
0: It totally does. And I like that you talked about building because I think ultimately we we do talk of using, but never about the contribution. And sure, if we are democratizing the whole you know the whole uh, space, then we do need to think about what our contribution is. And I think Adobe are doing this with Firefly, you know, the fact that they are going to be building, and they're going to be like highlighting, right. you know, the uh, the generated imagery within Adobe right. Start. I think that's kind of a a step in the right direction, you know. Yeah, and it helps with discernment as well, doesn't it? It's like you know you you know that this has been artificially created or it's been generated using these different tools. So, intellectual property, of course, is is really important. I think um, I'm of the mindset that. I don't I don't know where I stand on this you know because I have always believed in like inappropriation mm-hmm. right uh not in, not in stealing but in, in appropriating and combi- combining you know it's just part of of a, a visual project that I used to be involved in and um and my art practice centered around but um I find that so. you know with these kinds of um these kinds of lots of considerations. Now, what we do do need is, as you mentioned, lots of a form of literacy and understanding. And we talk about digital literacy and we talk about visual literacy, but now we've got new things to learn. And I think it's important that people know that these images have been created in this kind of a way, right? Do we apply semiotics Mm
1: -hmm.
0: in our understanding of these creations?
1: I'm um, actually, um, you know, it's great uh, what you just said about uh, intellectual property. And uh, sorry to go back to there again because I was thinking about it. That you know, a few years back, a few decades back, it, they used to say, in, "I don't know." It was not an advertising code, but there was a code where they mentioned, "Don't worry about people stealing your work. Worry when they stop stealing your work." Mm. <laughs> Well, it was true maybe in those times when the competition and lack of jobs or all these crises were not so much there. I don't know, maybe they were, but right now in the current time and the uh, capitalist landscape, it's everyone is doing a job to get something and get sustained in their lives, right? In their livelihood. So having that lens, if there are sources like how ChatGPT mentions expanding imaginative powers. Well, okay, how are we doing that? How are we enabling people to expand their imaginative powers? powers and on the cost of whom so i think there is that is why if we are talking about democratizing then are we also talking about collaborative work are we also giving photographers an opportunity to come and participate with these yeah, platforms um just like yeah just brainstorming uh, again i'm also like you very much still exploring these platforms and building my own understanding as i move with it
0: yeah, I know. And that they are very serious questions, you know, that we do have to ask. Having your images stolen or having your ideas stolen is a form of flattery, right? That was what we <laughs> can, did believe, I guess. And in a way it's still true. It does show that like so you know that hey, you were doing the right thing. But obviously you do want credit for this. You know, so it's, right. ultimately it's about credit, I think. You know, and we'll, I guess we'll get there. What concerns me, though, is about the um, in terms of lots of ethical practice, not so much about appropriation, but more to do with the end result that the tool produces, right? So when we create our own images, we are in control of the messages that we encode in there. When we give the machine free lunch right we just allow them to allow the machine to kind of of, um, make these images Mm -hmm. we're not controlling that end result at that point and so what they're coming up with could be sure we would never have thought of it but we may have thought of it and discounted it because ethically it doesn't feel right you know in terms of just very simply put and like so from the world of advertising right it could be something that's that's uh, viewed from a sexist lens, you know? So we wouldn't go there. However, the machine doesn't know those limitations.
1: And also, I think I I would like to bring my lived experiences here. I feel like in the AI, we are still at the very start of it. And if we would start having inclusion and not just singular perspectives, like I was reading more about Latimer, which is by this people of color in tech, uh, the black GPT, how they casually call. I think they're doing some great work there where they are trying to have kind of like they're talking about racial bias. Is they are trying to include people from different uh, diverse backgrounds and ethnicities and having diverse perspectives in the conversation. And also, like, it's important for various reasons, but also it's kind of like how that could be tackled in the similar way how we are uh, talking about regulations, could that be considered? And actually, you know what, there was another point which I wanted to bring, and it's just skipping my mind right now. I'll, I'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. But so I, I, I was reading, and I think the timer is doing some great work.
0: Yeah, no, that's um, ethnicity, looking at gender, race, etc. You know, that is, it's a really important point to make, because ultimately, you know, there are people who are feeding uh these informational sources into into the machine, right? So collaboration is good. And I like the whole idea that you brought a collaboration that I was mentioning to you earlier on about how BlueScape, which is a collaborative tool mm. that I find like I really enjoy. I really like using it. I've used it with with different student teams and it really does help. You know, anyway, that's the story for another day. But they just introduced generative AI into their whiteboard spaces. I've not played with it properly. I've not used it like collaboratively, but that sounds to me as if it's kind of, it's going to be bringing in more of that collaboration that will Mm -hmm. hopefully break down any kind of less of um, incursions into, into those areas that we were, that you were mentioning, you know, maybe it will help to kind of of level that playing field a little bit more.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm looking forward to try that out.
0: Yeah. The, in terms of collaboration i mean there's lots of different ways in which it can happen right i mean what's your what's your take on that where 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 do you think generative ai will be useful as a collaborative tool
1: Well are we here talking about the collaboration between communities or is it are you leaving it upon my interpretation of how i take collaboration and think about it i feel like generative ai definitely has great potential of kind of like bringing cultural or diverse cultural perspectives here for collaboration and why i'm sharing this is again we talk a lot about decolonization so if we are i was in india i knew bahas but i did not knew i did not know enough about the artists and movements in india that much mm-hmm. until i was like studying art and creativity and to me Generative AI is having that opportunity for different perspectives and to coming in together. And if we are talking about collaborations with communities, how are we following such collaborations with the ethics and informing both the sides about the intent of the project? If this tool is used by the communities, there have been damages done in the past because of some algorithms, or I will not name which platform has done it. But the goal is that everyone is living and having their own experiences. So if today I take this tool while I'm doing a research with a certain community... I would like to take it with the intent that I get informed about their perspective while they get to know about my perspectives. And there is an exchange through this tool. Is that a possibility? And could that also be added to the knowledge of the existing tool? Is something which kind of be great for researchers? and using different mediums for sure. I think now, now that's a different kind of collaboration what you were mentioning. Uh, and I feel like for language learners, that is a great way of bringing in how they are meaning. And especially we talk about like UK English. American English, um, like U.S. English, how exactly vocabulary is changing. So who is writing what, who is typing this, and then combining it to the image or anything else? What is the outcome of that? And how that could be also, like, it could be more informed for folks who ever would be typing in and kind of like learning about different cultures, or I don't know, I'm right now just, again, kind of like, as we are candidly speaking about it, there are so many ideas coming. To my mind. But I think it's a great idea until there is respect, there is reciprocity in the collaboration, be it in any way. There's a relationship, which is again like how we are using text, we are using image, but what are the other means which could be collaborated in the future? What is the five years you see from now while we have this much information and what do you think could actually become what we have right now? So it's like we are talking about it and let's talk more so that we kind of create those kind of futures together with the researchers and whoever is in the tech and helping us build on these.
0: Yeah, no, some some great points there. And wouldn't it be awesome if it would really like sort of help to decolonize uh, mm-hmm. the creative space, right? And creative education as well. Because it, it's so true, and we often forget this, and you mentioned it before. Growing up in India, you knew about, you know, these Western movements, but not enough about your own. happens so often, you know, as a result of, of lots of, you know, Western influence. And um, And it's something that, yeah, sure. Can we collaborate? Can we like sort of help to break down all of those things? Then generative AI has got a future beyond just a fun play thing, yeah?
1: Absolutely. I think critical AI literacy is very important. And this is part of that, that how exactly, like what are the positive impacts? What are the negative impacts? And how we make sure that when we are talking about decolonization or other important aspects of it, we bring in to make sure that the positives are overweighing the negatives and they are taking place in a way in the future, which could make AI a vision, which we are actually seeking. Mm
0: yeah totally and um i really love i'm going to like to finish this off on that that phrase that i'm going to use as a takeaway from this conversation which is oh, i'm kind of i'm paraphrasing that developing a critical ai literacy
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's vitally important and i think that's something i'm going to take forward it's certainly my thinking and the way that i approach this i think you know you're right we can we can play with these things but ultimately, let's take a step back. It's, it's we're too far down the line now? We can't just allow it to take over. We have to step back and apply these rules, or kind of look at it through a critical lens, and help our students to become literate in that space as much as they are within their digital and visual lives as well. So, thank you, Sugan. That's been like a really um, been triggering a lot of lots of ideas in my mind there, and I'm hoping that you know whoever is listening to this podcast kind of joins this conversation some more as well. So thank you for taking the time, wrap it warm. And um, let's see if we can chat some more in the not too distant future.
1: Yes, thank you, John. Uh, I look forward to receiving feedback.
0: Okay.